Thank you for tuning in to this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you, Pastor Scott, and thank you all for being here today. Do me a favor, turn and look somebody in the eye next to you. I mean, really look them in the eye and, and get locked in, right? And then I want you to say this to them. Say, say, you look like, go ahead, say it. You look like someone, go ahead, someone. Now, some of you aren't doing it. You're going to miss out. You look like someone who wants to take me out for lunch and pay for it. Now, some of you thought you was going to be cool and you missed out on the opportunity, so you're missing out on a free lunch because these people will follow through. You look like people who keep your word. Thank you all for coming today, man. What a great day it is. It's always a great day with Jesus alive in our hearts, right? Today, we're finishing up a study called Wrecked, and if you missed the first four weeks, man, you've missed it. We talked about how sometimes our plans get wrecked. Sometimes our pace gets wrecked. We may be a little too quick or a little too slow. Sometimes our position kind of gets wrecked where we thought we would be. Maybe is not where God wants us to be, and then sometimes our priorities get wrecked, right? And that's where you're supposed to say, right, right. Right, that's better. Wake up, nudge somebody, make sure they're not napping right now. Sometimes our priorities get all out of order, and stuff has to happen to get our priorities all back in order. Amen? I know that's never happened to you, probably, but it's it's happened to me a few times. So today we're going to finish this out. If you missed any of this, you can check it out on our our, uh, website, connectionschurch.com. Or on our Facebook page or all those wonderful places our incredible tech team stream that and make it available. So you can catch up on that. But today we're talking about people in our lives. You got any of those? Right? I mean, that, that's, that's a biggie. Amen? Sometimes the people in our lives may get wrecked. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Numbers chapter 13. We're going to be jumping in there. But, but I want to make this statement. Sometimes we as humans are unreliable at best and hurtful and spiteful at our worst. Isn't that true? Sometimes we as humans are unreliable at best and hurtful and spiteful at our worst, whether it's ministry. Listen to me this morning, church, and those of you watching, whether it's marriage whether it's coworkers, whether it's family, whether it's friends, many times the people that we start with, and I want you to write this down, many times the people that we start with are not the people that we will finish with. Isn't that true? I mean, and a lot of times your expectations are super high. Yeah, man, we're going to do life together. We're going to do ministry together. We're going to do this together, that together. We're going to be together till the end. Brothers forever. And it don't always work out quite that way sometimes sometimes it does Ohio State football amen to that but I know Pastor Scott's a big fan Tar Heel Nation here (laughs) we're more about basketball though I just got to be honest with you but back in 2014 the Ohio State Buckeyes man they had some pretty high hopes coming into the season and The two-time reigning Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year, Braxton Miller, was set to be their starting quarterback for this year again, but he suffered a season-ending shoulder surgery in practice before the season even started. 
So then they turned to a young man who was talented, and, and he was an amazing, incredible a young man named J.T. Barrett as their starter for the season. And he led them the majority of the season until he, too, suffered a season-ending injury via a broken ankle during the regular season finale against those dreaded Michigan Wolverines. Boo, right? Okay, sorry, Rob. Okay, sorry. Uh, so, first string's out. Second string's gone. And they're about to go into the college playoff. Enters redshirt sophomore Cardell Cadillac Jones, who was the third string quarterback at the beginning of the season. And now all of a sudden he's asked to lead them through the playoffs and hopefully a natty championship, right? So what does he do? He wins the Big Ten championship game, leads them to a victory in the Sugar Bowl, and then leads them to the national championship victory in his first three career starts as a quarterback. And Scott re-entered the room on that. I mean, wouldn't you know it, Mr. Ohio himself back there. So again, it's not always who you start with that is with you at the finish. Very important. I mean, let's look at a few examples from the Bible before we get into our main passage out of Numbers chapter 13. And we're going to start with the biggest of the big. His name is Jesus. Amen? Don't you just love that? And there's something about that name. And he had, if, if you will, one of his closest friends and disciples completely sell him out for 30 pieces of silver. He had another one on that very same occasion deny him three times and run away. Listen to me, church. He had the closest people to him on this earth do this to him as he was about to be put on the cross and give his life for us. You ever been stabbed in the back? You ever been betrayed? You ever been hurt? And, and it's painful. It cannot compare, I believe, with what Jesus went through. However, he was a man that was acquainted with our sufferings and our grief. He went through these things that hurt him. It was Peter who denied even knowing him. But later on, when he raised from the dead, he went and found who? He went and found Peter and said, Peter, I forgive you. Judas was a different story. He sold him out for those 30 pieces of silver. And he felt the grief and the shame and the guilt so deeply that he went out and took his own life. What about a man named Joseph we talked about just a few weeks ago in this very same study? His own brothers were about to kill him, but then they decided at the last minute not to. Instead, they sell him into slavery. What a major betrayal. I mean, you think you're going to do life with your brothers, right? I mean, if anybody's got your back, it's your brothers, amen, or your sisters. You know what I'm talking about? Those family relationships that you have. But that's not always the case because they ended up selling him out. Their own flesh and blood betrayed him. We found out that years down the road after God just kept putting the right people at the right time in Joseph's life. And you ever notice how God's good at doing that? His family may abandon him, but guess what? God never did. God always had the right people to come and get Joseph to where he wanted him to be, to rally around him, to join his team, Team Joseph, if you will. And later on down the road, when he was second in command to Pharaoh, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, guess who shows up to get food? His own brothers that had sold him into slavery show up needing some food desperately. And what does Joseph do? He gives it, but he gives more than food. He gives forgiveness. Sometimes we have a reconciliation story that comes when the people in our lives kind of get wrecked. 
Now, I know full well that we all get attached and we form bonds with people. And that's one of the greatest gifts in this life. Is that not right? I mean, without friendships, without relationships, without people that we can grow close to and love and share and do life with, man, life would be pretty empty and pretty hollow. So we do get attached and we do form those bonds with others. And that's a good thing. But sometimes people, for different reasons, move on from our team, so to speak. So when they do, how do we handle that? Let's turn our attention to the children of Israel. And let's talk about their trip from Egyptian slavery to the promised land that God had given them and promised to them. And after the children of Israel were freed from the bondage in Egypt and delivered from Pharaoh's army, they began to journey towards Mount Sinai in the wilderness of God. And God provided food and water and protection, everything they needed. When they arrived at Sinai, they received the law that would govern them as a nation and as a people and a pattern for the tabernacle regulating their worship. And after being numbered and organized, they were now ready to enter into the promised land, however, the land. However, the Israelites came up with the idea to spy out the land first. Anybody remember that from Sunday school? If not, just follow with me. It's in, in, in the Bible here. And so they, they decide, we're going to go check out the land before we go enter in and take it. Even though God had said, it's yours, go get it. And so God kind of agreed to let them do that and told them to go ahead, check out the land, see how the people lived and what the land looks like. And after 40 days, the spies returned and they admitted that Canaan was a wonderful land and it was full of milk and honey and it had these giant grapes. How many of you like grapes? It had a grape that probably one single grape you couldn't eat and in one day they were that big. So it was everything that God had promised. But here's the kicker. Ten of the twelve spies came back and expressed doubt that they could conquer the giants that seemed to be living in the land. They said, in their sight and in ours, we look like what? Grasshoppers. We can't do it, they said. The ten gave the report. And they said, there's no way we could take this land. I know God's promised it, but something's went wrong and he's made a mistake and, and we need to just stay here or we are going to be killed. But I love that it wasn't just the 10 that went in. There were two other guys that were a part of the 12. And their names were Joshua and Caleb. Amen. Give those folks a gold star. Joshua and Caleb, two of the 12, objected. And they actually quieted the people down because anytime somebody gives a negative report, what's going to happen? There's going to be some murmuring and complaining and, and griping and stuff that's going to break loose with a group of people. Everybody's going, like, yeah, that's what I thought. I, I knew this was too good to be true. There's no way we're going to be able to get in there and take it. And, and this is just, a, just another thing. It's gonna, just going to fall apart in front of our eyes. It's not going to happen and so on and so on. And so all of a sudden that began to arise in the group of millions of people there on the border of the promised land. And Joshua and Caleb get, 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 get upset. You ever been righteously upset? And they're thinking to themselves, come on, people. Come on, what's the matter? And all of a sudden, they stepped forward, and it says they quieted the people. In other words, they said, shut up. You ever had to just get down and, and nitty-gritty and just tell somebody to shut up? I know your mama didn't like you doing that, but sometimes it's just warranted, right? Sorry, moms. They quieted the people. And then here's, this is what they said. We are well able to take the land. We are well able. Why would they say that? Anybody have any kind of an idea of why? 
because God had promised it to him. So it didn't matter how big the, the enemy was. It didn't matter what, what kind of armies they had. God had promised that to them. So they quieted the crowd. They told them we're well able. They, they, they pleaded with them, let's go in and take it at once. But the majority prevailed. And Israel, the Israelites, the children of Israel, wandered in the wilderness for another 38 years. Until what happened? That entire generation died. Now this is from Numbers 13 and 14. Should be very familiar to most readers. But the question is this. What do we learn from all this? Concerning the problems of Israel, Paul wrote these words in the New Testament. Now all these things happened unto them for examples to us. He also wrote in, in uh, Romans, he said, regarding our approach to studying the Old Testament, he said, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning in Romans chapter 15, verse 4. So what I want to do is just give you some powerful examples from this, the, the lessons, the big lesson on, on, on people in general. You know any people? Are, are you a people? <laughs> you know, yes, you are. We are all people. We're all humans. And you know what? We failed. They failed. We're all going to fail. We're all going to develop some attributes and characteristics that may not be healthy or they may be healthy. So we're going to start out by looking at the powerful lessons. The outlook of the ten spies were, was, was terrible. Their report was one of gloom and doom. And they could only see the problem instead of seeing the possibilities. The giants instead of, of God and defeat instead of victory. How many of you know somebody like that? How many of you are somebody like that? Don't raise your hand for that. Listen. The inspired writer even called it in verse 32 of chapter 13, an evil report. So their attitude could certainly be called negative, right? On the other hand, Caleb and Joshua, they were very optimistic. Their report was one of hope. They saw the possibilities instead of the problems. God, instead of giants and victory, instead of defeat. So God said, Caleb had a different spirit about him in chapter 14. I don't know about you, but that's the way I want to be described in my life. I want it to be said of me that God feels and says and knows that I have a different spirit. Why? Because there's spirits out there in this world right there, right now that are very negative, very condemning, very evil. The Bible says we wrestle not again against what? Flesh and blood, but against spirits and powers and principalities and all those things. So God says that Caleb and Joshua had different spirits about them. So let's look at what that meant. Let's take a little case study and people really quickly so we'll know a little bit more about those who we do life with and, and those who may be on our team and those who may walk away and those who may betray and all that good stuff. Let's take a look first at the negative attitude and just get that out of the way because you know what? I hate negativity, right? I'm not a can't person. I'm a can person. Why? Because I can do all things through Woo! Christ who strengthens me. So, but, but, but for negative people, number one, you're going to notice they are full of doubt. Uh, it's right here in verse 31, chapter 13. They said the words, we are not able. And the reason why is because doubt caused them to question their resources to take the land as well as their God who was leading them. Also, self-deprecation. We are in our own sight as grasshoppers and so we were in their sight. They saw themselves as tiny, as small, as little, as insignificant. And I'm going to speak to somebody right now who may be carrying that same thing around with you at this moment. You felt like for years maybe that you don't matter, that your life is not significant. Guess what, sunshine? It is. You are valuable. You are needed. You are beautiful. You are created in the image of God. 
So don't sell yourself short because I can guarantee you right now, as sure as I'm talking to you, he doesn't. But they felt insignificant. They also felt fear. And I'm going to tell you right now, right now with all the junk going on, not only in our nation but our world, so many people, including Christ followers, are allowing fear to rule and reign in their lives. Be bold as lions. Be courageous in Jesus Christ. Don't bow to fear. The Bible tells us over and over and over and over again, do not fear, fear not. But that's what happened with them. And all of a sudden they developed this critical spirit. When people become negative and inactive, they turn to criticizing others who want to move forward. The Bible says the whole congregation was influenced by these terrible ten who murmured and complained against God and his leaders and Moses and Aaron. Stop the critical spirit. Cut it off. Get it out. And then it turned to rebellion. The, the preceding attitudes contributed to the spirit of rebellion against God. They said, let us make a captain and go back to Egypt. I've noticed this. Because I've seen it happen to the people I know and love. Some of them very close to me. When you go back to Egypt, it's ten times worse than it was before, if not more. And I know some people right now that have journeyed back to Egypt in their lives. I'm talking friends, family members, former church people here. I have people I've known for, for a long time all my life. And some people I've only known for a short time. But they made the trip back to Egypt. Why? Because something happened to turn rebellion alive and back on in their hearts. And they marched back to captivity. And not only was it just as bad, it was ten times if not more worse. And right now they're living in an evil that has them locked up. And chained up. And they need freedom that only comes from Jesus in the worst way. That's what rebellion will do to you. And then they had ingratitude. Ingratitude. They were ungrateful for everything that God had done for them up to that point. You know why? Look at me. I'll tell you why. Because we forget the goodness of God so often. We forget the miracles that God is where we are. We forget the good things that show up day after day. His mercies are new every morning. We forget that stuff all oh, so easily. If you're that kind of person that gravitates towards a critical spirit and has that in your life and, and you always dwell on negative, negative stuff, then you're going to forget it super easily. And the next thing you know, you're going to find yourself wallowing in that ingratitude and showing it in your life over and over and over again. And nothing's ever good to you. And you're never thankful. And you're never appreciative. And it doesn't only show to God, but it shows to the world around you. Why? Because you always feel like you're entitled. You deserve it. And when it's just not perfectly right, you're the first one to show that ingratitude in your life. And then finally, it showed itself in terrible unbelief. And all of these negative traits can be summed up in one word, unbelief. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 3, verses 18 and 19 says that unbelief kept them from entering into the promised land. That's the critical people that are out there. Sadly, sometimes those are the critical people that are in here as well. And God desires that we not live like that. That not be who we are, if you will. Folks, doesn't it break your heart to look at this list and see so many of these negatives in the church today? Attitudes that hold us back, that divide our ranks, that cause us to wander in the wilderness of sin and keep us from entering into the promised land. 
Several years ago, James Needham wrote a, a great article that described negativism in this way. He said, there is no place in the Christian's life for negativism. Yet, this is the persistent attitude of so many today. It constantly talks down the great work of God. It's a prophet of doom and gloom and boom. It says nothing is useful or beneficial. No, not gospel meetings, not Bible classes, etc., etc. Everything proposes a waste of time, effort, and especially money. That's the most important. Negativism is not realistic, but materialistic, church. Negativism is an elephant on the road to progress. It's a millstone around the neck of usefulness, a cancer of the mind of its advocate, an ice pack on the fervor of the faithful. It sees thorns on a rose bush, but never the roses on the thorn bush. It's a parent of, of little faith. Its child is discouragement, and its grandchild is cantankerousness, and its first cousin is stubbornness. Man, that don't get something going in you. Because I'm just going to tell you this this morning. When Scott lets you know that we're going to go to two Sunday morning services here soon until we add some more facilities and hopefully fill those up, I know that there's a few people in this room and outside watching it had something in your heart that thought, I don't want to do that. I'm comfortable. But this is what I plead with all of us to do. Get a hold of the heart of God. That every person matters to Jesus Christ. And I would say that he would desire we fill this room over and over and over again. Till Sundays just wouldn't hold us. We had to start having church on Monday. And then we fill it up over and over again. And we work overtime. And Tuesday comes and we got to fill it up again. Why? Because that's the heart of God. He sent his son Jesus to die and raise again to give us eternal life. The gospel is about going out into the highways and the hedges. And compelling them to come into the kingdom of God. The critical spirit, the negativity does not belong in the heart, in the mind, in the life of a child of God, a Christian believer, period. But here's what does, because this is what Caleb and Joshua possessed. A true faith, a bold faith. When they said, and I'll say it again, we are well able to overcome in verse 30. They believed in their God, and they believed in themselves, in their God, and their fellow Israelites. And most importantly, they knew that God had called them to this. They had a faith that just was amazing. They had confidence, church. Concerning the Canaanites, Joshua said, the people are bred for us. Any of you wrestling fans in here? I'm not talking about college and high school wrestling. That's actually pretty real and technical. I'm talking about wrestling you watch on TV. The nature boy, Ric Flair, styling and profiling, jet flying, limousine riding. I better stop there. Wheeling and dealing. So I'm sorry, I can't help myself. The biggest part of that is smack talk. And then they get in the ring and do some funny stuff and have some fun. And then somebody pins somebody or whatever, hits them with a chair. Joshua was doing some smack. I saw Joseph right there. Joshua was doing some smack talk. They're bread for it. We're going to eat them for lunch. With God, this is possible, folks. Come on. And also they possess courage. Joshua said again in verse 9 of chapter 14, fear them not. He was not afraid of any giant that stood in his way or any walled city or the strength of the people behind it. What about us? Where's the courage in the church? Where's the courage that wants to rise up and say, Jesus is Lord. There's riots and there's activity going on even in the streets of Charlotte. And there's one young man out there, this gentleman that goes every single time there's something going on with a sign that says, Jesus saves and he's walking the streets and he's saying to people, Jesus loves you. 
Jesus will change you. And they're spitting on him. And they're shooting silly string on him. And they're pouring God knows what on him. But he keeps on walking. And he keeps on talking. And he keeps on proclaiming the love of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying and hurting world. That's courage. That's confidence. And it's also action. (laughs) Because Caleb said, let us go up at once and take possession of it. Positive, faith-filled, courageous, confident people will always say, let's go and do it now. Right now. And then they possessed thankfulness. Because they truly understood that the land was a gift from God. A blessing because of his delight in them. True appreciation for one's blessings will lead to action. And hear me church, look at me, and full obedience. Today as we face the giant problems of sin and suffering and sickness in our personal lives or the apathy and indifference and cowardice in the lives of our brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to have those powerful traits of faith, confidence, courage, coupled with action and an appreciation of God's wonderful blessings to lead us on to victory. Numbers 3 verse 32 tells us that there were 603,550 men of war when they started this march out of Egypt and of that number, 603,550, only two, only two entered the promised land. And those two were Joshua and Caleb. Well, Jesus even said that only a few will enter and walk the straight and narrow way leading to life, while many will walk down the broad way leading to destruction. Amen? So it's not always the many that are being brave or courageous. And we know that full well. But we also know that God is calling us. Hear me, church. He's calling us to stand and be that few. To stand up bold and courageous in him. Full of faith, knowing that he always has our back. They were the only two that got to go into the promised land. Even Moses, the great leader that started with them on this journey, didn't get to make it in. Why? Because, write this down, there is always a heavy price. Look, don't miss it. Always a heavy price to pay for disobedience. We don't want to pay that. Again, for various reasons, those who start the journey with us may not be the ones who finish. But I want you to take these closing encouragements to heart. I'm going to give you five lasting lessons that will help us to get this in our lives when it comes to the area of of wrecking people and people wrecking the situation. And the first one is simply this, and we, we, we gain these from Joshua and Caleb and this whole story. The first one is, write this down, don't let the hurt halt you. Don't let the hurt of what happened stop you in your tracks When the last of the negative generation died out, Caleb declared in Numbers 13, 30, let's go up at once and get the land and give me my mountain. I love that. He's about 80 years old right here. And what he says is this, I am just as vigorous and energetic right now as I was 40 years ago. I love that kind of mentality. 
Why? Because I'm getting closer to that kind of number. <laughs> and I want to be that vigorous. I want to be that, that excited. I want to be that passionate. I want to be that alive. As long as God has me on this planet, I don't want to stop and sit down in an easy chair and kick my feet up and say, I'm just going to camp out here. I'm done. I've done all I want to do, and I'm finished. No. Caleb said, let's go up right now and possess the promise that God gave us. I want it now. I've waited long enough. He didn't stop. Caleb didn't stop. The old song of the church says, though none go with me, still I will follow. That's active. It's moving forward. That's never giving up. That's never stopping. That's going to get the promise God made. So never let the hurts hold you from what God has for you. Number two, forgive, release, and pray for them. Oh, that one's really pretty easy, right? We got the whole forgiveness thing down, amen? I mean, we're Christians, you know, we, we got to forgive. We're good at it, right? We've mastered the art of forgiveness. Any Ph.D. level forgivers in here? Let me see your hands. You should be bouncing up and down saying, right here, Pastor, it's me. I got that. I might struggle with a lot of things, but forgiving, man, whoo, that's easy breezy. Not a single one. Are you kidding me? The reality is that even though it's not simple, here's the good news, it's possible. But here's the, here's the, the main factor of it. We got to want to forgive. And then that's the rub because a lot of us enjoy wallowing in our, our, our unforgiveness and our, our bitterness and our, you know, our grudge and, and all that poison. We, we kind of enjoy it. Why? I don't know. Because I did it for a while about 15, 18 years ago. And I'm going to tell you something. It'll eat you up. Many of you have heard me say that before. But I can't say it enough. Unforgiveness will stop you in your tracks. And it will hold you in prison. And it will eat you up like a cancer. Bottom line. You're not hurting anybody but yourself, mainly. But you know what I love about Joshua and Caleb? They didn't let that hold in there. They didn't hold on to unforgiveness. No, instead, they said, God, they did what they did, but we're going to do what we do, and we don't hold for, uh, this against them. We release them from it. It was the key for Joseph when he forgave his brothers. It was the key for Joshua and Caleb. And the generation that believed the ten spies and the evil report. And believe me, forgiveness is why Jesus Christ came. And he pours that out on everyone who comes in repentance to him. And without his forgiveness, we have no hope at all. So I want to ask you two quick things right here. How are you doing with forgiving the people in your life that have hurt you? Good. Fair to Midland. <laughs> Some of you are like, fair what, what? Oh, everybody under 30. Or terrible. Let me ask you this. Because a lot of times we kind of be one-sided with this. And I've kind of been one-sided up to this point, And we're talking about those who hurt us and uh, forgiving them and all that. But how about some people you've hurt? You're like, Pastor, it's getting close to lunchtime. Scott prayed a little long. You know, we got we to move this along. So let's just skip over. Let's, whoo, let's just jump right over that part. And just not, no, let's don't. Because I think the Holy Spirit is here to deal with it. And if he's here to deal with it, who am I to skip over it? 
Because, you know, this is going to burst some of your bubbles. We don't walk on water, all of us in this room. We are being perfected. <laughs> we are not quite there yet. <laughs> At least I'm not. If you are, come take the mic. Is there a lingering hurt out there that we've caused? If so, have we went, as the Bible says, to our brother or sister in love and confessed that if it was our fault and asked him for forgiveness? This is the stuff that tears apart families. It's the stuff that tears apart friendships, stuff that tears apart churches. We have no right to hold anything like that. And we have every directive from God to go and confess our faults to our brothers if we have them there. Folks, forgive, release, pray for each other. And then next, if you're in the wrong, check yourself before you wreck yourself. We've got to allow the Holy Spirit to fully examine us on a daily basis to make sure our attitude, write that down, our attitude and our hearts are for Him and for the people around us. Please don't be the reason why teams fall apart. Please don't be the reason why churches fall apart and families fall apart and relationships crumble. When the Lord convicts us of our wrong attitude and our sinfulness in our own lives, cry out with a broken heart. And what I'm talking about is critical negative all that poison that we talked about a few moments ago that the 10 spies brought to the people if that dwell look at me church if that dwells in us in any way shape or form ask the holy spirit to come and remove it from us cut it out throw it out get rid of it it does not belong if we don't, we are going to wreck ourselves. If we don't, we're going to constantly see turmoil, struggle, brokenness, drama, loneliness, and frustration. That's what we'll live in and through us. Number four, trust God for the right people at the right times. I've had people walk out. People that helped us start this church some 13 years ago. So we're going to be here for the long haul. Man, we love Jesus. We love you guys. We're here. We're together. And the first time something didn't go their way or they didn't get what they wanted, out the door they go. And I'm like, what happened? But here is what I have lived. Not only this last 13 years, but all my life. That God will send the right people at the right time. And they will come and they will rally and they will help and they will serve. And they will bond with you. And they will grow with you. I'm here to say today that God sent Scott and Julie many years ago. Pastor Scott and his wife that come and befriended the church and us and loves you and serves you. He walked away from a job that pays three times, four times as much as he's making here at this church. To be here and be on staff. And I'm going to tell you, he hadn't went without since then. God sent so many of you who have been here for years that you love and serve and you rally and you give and you, you do everything you can for the kingdom of God. Why? Because God will always send the right people at the right time, period. And I want you to understand this. And write it down on your arm, on your forehead, whatever you have to do to keep it as a reminder. Certain people are for certain seasons of our lives. And I don't say that meaning, oh man, we just want to use them and throw them to the wayside or whatever. No. 
I don't say that because people aren't valuable because they are the most valuable commodity on the planet. God loves us. We are his prized possession and creation. I don't say it for that. I'm just saying that I've learned and discovered over the years in my life that certain people come for certain seasons and then they move on. And it's it's not always a bad moving on. But here's the rub with that because we get attached to people easily, don't we? We love them. We're like, God, no, 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 don't send them away now. They're such a blessing, such a help, such an encouragement. But just understand that reality. Some are just for certain seasons, but thank God some are for the long haul. Amen. Some will cross the tape together with. And then lastly, lastly this morning, please never give up on the promises of God to you. God makes certain promises. He told the Israelites, I'm going to bring you out of the bondage. It would have been easy, I believe, for Joshua and Caleb to give up. When the other ten spies began to give that negative report and say, we can't, we can't, we can't. Here's the picture I get. Joshua and Caleb standing there behind. I'm like, what? Fred, come on, man. You, you, you've seen what God, Earl, you can't be serious. I mean, you've seen what God did when he brought us out of Egypt, all the plagues and stuff. And Moses and, and everything going to Pharaoh and, and saying, let my people go. And, 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 and reluctantly and finally he did. And we marched out of there. And then we came to the Red Sea. And there was no way we're getting across. But you, you remember, God just whoop. Don't you love that? Whoop. He just parted the ocean. He parted the waters. And the, the ground just dried up instantaneously. And we, millions of us, were able to walk across. You, you were there. Earl, you was two people behind me. I mean, we were right there together. You, you, what's the matter with you? I'm sure that's what was going on. And I'm sure when the people believed it, the masses, and they said, yeah, you're right, we can't do it. Let's just give up. Let's just stop here. I mean, or let's go back to Egypt and all that stuff. They had to be almost pulling their hair out. And it's easy to go with the crowd. Right, guys? When that pressure's on and everybody's saying, nah, forget it, it's over. It's easy to give in, to get along. But they couldn't. And they wouldn't. Because here's what they knew. If you just close your eyes for a moment with me as we finish this time. They knew what we need to know. They understood what we need to understand. That God is not a man that he would lie. And God had told them very clearly, I am leading you out of this bondage and slavery to the promised land of Canaan that flows with milk and honey. That is amazing and incredible in all its ways. That's going to be yours. I am giving you the land. They knew that. They held on to that promise with everything they had. Everyone in here has been given a promise or promises from God. The Bible's full of them, but you've been given certain individual promises about your life and over your life, I believe, with all my heart. And there will be challenges. We, we full well know that. But here's what I ask you this morning. Don't ever give up. 
Don't listen to the naysayers, to the negativity. Don't listen to the critical spirits. Don't listen to the, to the ones that are, that are picking it apart. Don't ever give up. Continue to listen to God. Here's another thing that I want to encourage you with. Some people are going to get wrecked in your life at times. It's not always going to be like you thought it was going to be. You're not always going to finish the race with those that started with you, as we, we've talked about several times this morning. However, Jesus said he would never leave us. And he would never forsake us. And he said, I will give you the right people at the right time to walk beside you, to hold your arms up. As Moses had on one occasion. I will supply everything you need. I will build your teams. I will rally around you. First and foremost, God's made us the promise of salvation. If you're in this room right now, before we finish our time, and you would say, Pastor, you know what? I need to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. Maybe you walked with them before. Maybe you've walked away. Here's what I tell you in this moment. Today is the day of salvation. This is your time. This is your moment. Come back to Jesus and give him your heart and life. He's given everything for you. If that's your decision right now with eyes closed for just another moment, would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, remember me in this closing prayer. I want to surrender all my life to Jesus Christ. Would you just do that right now? Can I see your hands? Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you, sir. Anybody else? Yes, yes, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Maybe there's some forgiveness stuff that you need to deal with between you and somebody else. I know the Holy Spirit's dealing with that in some lives. So if that's the case, would you just simply raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I acknowledge it. And I'm going for it this week. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, yes, yes. How many others in the middle, in the left section? Yes, yes. How many others? It's your moment. Just to lay it out there as the Holy Spirit deals with it. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Anybody else? One last area I believe strongly in this morning is this. How many of you have been discouraged about promises God made to you? How many of you have been listening to the naysayers and the negativity and kind of been giving into that and saying, it's just not going to happen. I, I might as well throw in the towel and give up. Can I see your hands this morning and say, Pastor, I don't believe that anymore. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. How many others? Yes, sir. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Today is your day. Those promises are yes and sure and true and amen. They will never fade away. God doesn't give up on the promises he makes to us. We should never give up on them. While we're about to worship God one more time in this house in just a moment, I want to ask those of you that raised your hand for anything at all, any of these three areas or something else, would you just come and stand with me at the front of this church? So I just want to pray with you personally. Would you come now and let's pray together and let's see God do great things in these areas in which we're calling out for him on. Thank you. Thank you. Just get up from your seat and come now, if at all possible. Thank you. If you want somebody to come with you, just nudge them and say, would you walk down and, and pray with me and beside me and stand? Thank you. Make a, a line across the front here, shoulder to shoulder, side by side. And I want some of you that want to pray for somebody, that you love people and you want to be a part of this. Would you come now and, and rally around and surround these folks that are here at the front of this church right now? Come on. Come on. Don't, don't sit. Move. Don't sit. Move. It's your time to come and minister and be a part of body ministry this morning as we pray one for another and see God work miracles today. Would you come? I need some, some young people. I need some adults. I need men. I need women. I need you to spread out and find somebody one-on-one. -on -one. Get behind them. Get in front of them if you want to. God is here. The Holy Spirit is here to change, to move, to set free. And we are so blessed and thankful. Father God, thank you. Thank you for loving us enough to show up today. As you always do, you're ever faithful. Thank you for calling us out today in whatever ways that are needed, God.
whether it's our faith, God, our confidence, our courage, whether we've been listening to the wrong voices, God, giving in to the lies of the enemy, whatever it may be, God, if we've had 10 spies that have been speaking into our lives the wrong things, God, help us today to change that, to shut those people up and to rise up and listen to the Joshua and the Caleb's today in Jesus' name who speak life, who speak yes, who speak promise, who speak God showing up and doing what he said he's going to do today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for those who are surrendering their life to you right now through salvation who say, God, I need you and I want you and I accept you. Thank you for new life in you, Jesus. That is happening at this moment upon the invitation of these, your people. Thank you for help in the area of forgiveness and unforgiveness, God. Let us go out and be those vessels that say, you know what? Flow through me, Holy Spirit. Do your work through me, Holy Spirit. God, just use me incredibly, Lord. Let me be that obedient child of the King who says, yes, Lord, no matter how hard it is. God, I thank you for people who love you who are called according to your name, God, and are rising up right now to fulfill the promises you've spoke in and over their lives, God. We celebrate you, God. We receive all you're doing right now in the breakthroughs that's happening in hearts and lives. God, I just want to speak over this congregation that we would truly catch the vision of loving you and loving the people around us, that we would have the desire to set this world on fire for Jesus Christ, to be that vessel that goes, that loves, that serves, that works the fields that are white and the harvest right now, God. We would want to see your house full and your house going out to, to preach and teach and love those in our communities, God. We want to be a part of that, Lord. Your kingdom come, your will be done. If everybody across the room would just stand to your feet right now. And we're going to worship God. And I'm just going to encourage you to pour yourself out to Him. To lift your hands up. To lift your hearts. As we declare this song together. Don't let it just be a sing along. Let it be worship from your heart to His throne this morning. As God continues to work and change and heal. Thank you for tuning in to this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.